Hey everyone, it's James Kim. Uh, I'm popping back into the feed to introduce another show that um, I help make um, with host and audio genius Maya Sugarman. But before we bring her on, um, I want to play a trailer to this show. It's called Magnificent Jerk, and it's based off of uh, Maya's um, personal life and um, her relationship with her uncle, Galen Ewan. Um, that's all I'm going to tell you. This trailer will tell you the rest. And then Maya's going to come back, and we're going to have a little chat. So stick around and enjoy this trailer. There are those movies that are so bad, they're good. And then there are those movies that are just hard to watch bad. This story starts with one of those. You know my friend here, Mr. Crazy Six? Crazy Six? And you're crazy? A little bit. Crazy Six is a low-budget action thriller from the 90s about an addict who's trapped in a world of crime. And it stars a bunch of actors that do not sound like they belong together. There's Burt Reynolds as a cop. Some people are born to be busted. Ice-T plays a drug dealer. We pay good money to prevent this kind of shit. Mario Van Peebles is a French mobster who, for some reason, is always holding a chihuahua. You almost killed my fucking dog, you understand? And the hero of the film is a strung-out Rob Lowe in a fake mustache. I want to stop smoking rock real bad. The thing is, that character is supposed to be my uncle. Crazy Six. You see, the script for Crazy Six was written by my uncle, Galen Ewan. And this super violent movie is based on his actual life. At least, that's what he wrote. The majority of incidents and characters in this story are real. Their names have been changed to protect the guilty. Let me just say, I didn't know any of this. The Galen I knew was this laid-back guy who told raunchy jokes and couldn't make it as a Hollywood actor. He seemed like someone who lived a pretty boring life. But now I know I was way off. There's a part of him that's really nice, and then there's another part that when you get on the wrong side of him, he's like total nutso. It turns out, my uncle was in an infamous Chinese gang. He went to jail, got addicted to coke, and started robbing drug dealers. From what I recall, he extorted a kid. Yeah, Gail was a manipulator. He, he knew how to use people. And if this script is true, my uncle may have done things that haunted him till his death. I know Galen did things that he was not proud of at all and very regretful about. And I didn't want to know the, the circumstances of it. I really didn't want to know. I'm still trying to find myself. I still have a lot of anger within me, but I'm Chinese and can't be like that. My anger hurts other people. And the only way I can let go of this anger is through film. My uncle went to Hollywood with a dream, to make a movie drawn from his own life. But when Hollywood heard his story, they wanted something different. A movie about a white guy from Florida, played by Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe? Yes, yes, Rob Lowe. Wow. So we did quite a rewrite. <laughs> and the world my uncle came up in, Oakland Chinatown, became some Eastern European city, where even Burt Reynolds didn't want to be. He slowly got out of the car and said, where the fuck are we? Bratislava, fuck me. 
of all the places he could have chosen. My uncle thought he could get redemption in Hollywood. And I've spent the last two years using his screenplay as a roadmap to find that redemption, to find the real story of his life. Now, I'm going to tell you that story, the story Hollywood didn't want. If you want to make change, you got to put up or shut up. Quit crying. It takes a lot of balls to come out here to Hollywood. Magnificent Jerk, the true story of a fake story about a real life, the life of Galen Ewan, coming soon. Magnificent Jerk is an Apple original podcast produced by Pineapple Street Studios. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts. Hey, Maya. Hey, James. (laughs) (laughs) How are you feeling? It's it's launch week. It's launch week. Um, It's weird. Uh, (laughs) I think think, uh, you and I got together almost three years ago, like two and a half, three years ago at this point. About, yeah, about Um, three years ago, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. How does it feel for you? It's... As it's you sip your wine. Oh, fuck. You call, Sorry, call me should out. I not yeah. say that? <laughs> no, I'm totally fine with it. Um, I'm drinking wine. I don't have the AC on because audio. But the funny thing is I have the window open. So my wine is my way of cooling me down instead of the AC, you know. That's a lie. I'm just drinking wine at like three. Um, yeah. No, I'm feeling good. Uh, it's interesting. I think every time you launch a show... Um, you always feel really nervous about how people are going to feel about it. Um, but for you, that's a new feeling because this is actually the first show you've ever made podcast wise. Yeah. And you've been coaching me all along the way, I think. <laughs> have I? <laughs> yeah, you have. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, this is the first podcast I've ever made. I traditionally uh, worked in video and photography before that. So um yeah. yeah, this is my first audio-only medium. Although I like to say that podcasts are very visual. So it's not yeah. that much of a stretch. How come you feel like they're visual? Um, I mean, like films, like cinematography, what's in the frame is all like part of how you're telling the story. And so you need to think about that with sound too, like – where are we placing the sound? How is it? What is the quality of it? When does it happen? Um, yep. Yeah. So I, I think like it's all it's all of the same like mindset. It's just the medium or like the characteristics you're working with are slightly different. I remember when you first told me about this story and um, and the screenplay too. And you were describing the screenplay as like um, the one that your uncle wrote was like a 80s action movie. Like he was trying to be like Bruce Lee or something. Is that does that feel right? Yeah, I felt like it had that vibe for sure. Yeah, yeah. It just felt like a very kind of like macho action movie um, with just like, yeah, you know, and in, in some of the scene descriptions, they were different like like kung fu moves that were that were referenced and um billy who's the main character is like this strong you know this strong hero who's really talented at just taking 
taking teams of men down. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think at the time, because we didn't do any of the reporting then, we waited until um, Pineapple Street and everyone there got involved before we actually started to like really hit the ground running. So our best guess was without like really talking to too many people was like, oh, your uncle wrote this screenplay um, almost as like a, a like a screenplay of who he wanted to be. Because the way you describe your uncle, you used to live with him back in the day. And this is like maybe in like the 2010s. And um, you were saying that he was actually kind of like a gentle soul. Um, very Like he wasn't like strong or buff. He was like very skinny. And to read a screenplay where there's like, you know, shootouts and like the main character, Billy, is like beating up jocks <laughs> and like and and like you're like, oh, that's not my uncle. Like he could never do that. Like physically he couldn't beat up a jock and like he would never like shoot anybody. Right. Yeah, he was he had like a lot of health issues throughout his life. Um, and so, you know, I, and also he was like in his what 50s or 60s by the time I knew him so you know he wasn't this buff dude who was ready to go out and like beat people up um so yeah that's kind of how I imagined it um but from the get-go when I read his script I was like I have I have to figure out a way to make this script like to make this script the one that didn't get rewritten um and that's why it's, you know, it's such a privilege to get to work with you, James, um, on this project because we were able to make uh, Galen's work come to life. Yeah, thank you. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, I, I've always felt that way, too, just mutual admiration. But, yeah, we wanted to, um, we wanted to shoot it as though it was like a movie and block it out with, like, the actors actually – you know, mimic what is actually said in the script to get those performances. Uh, just because, you know, from what we've heard, Galen was very particular about like, not only like performance and acting, but it's like even how somebody would approach how they talked on a role. Um, so we were trying to bring that Galen meticulousness to some of this fiction too. So what we're going to do now is play some of this fiction. And this fiction is uh, not... I don't think it's like some of it is featured in the show in bits and pieces, but we're going to play some of these scenes in full for you guys. L let's start with the opening scene. And Maya, do you want to just set this up? And yeah. Um, yeah. So the, the script is about um, Billy is a drug addict who also carries out drug robberies. And he has like a team of, of friends and associates he works with to carry out drug robberies. So this opening scene is, um, they're outside the house of um, a, a drug lord that they're about to rob. Fade in, super, San Francisco. Exterior, Marina District, night. A foghorn can be heard moaning in the distant background as the city is being shrouded with a blanket of moisture. An old Cadillac Seville that doesn't fit in with this pricey neighborhood is parked a couple of mansions away from its intended target, a beautiful six-bedroom mini-estate. Interior, Billy Seville, Marina District. Billy Kwong, 30s, good-looking, 
American-born Chinese, is sitting behind the wheel of his funky Seville. Terrence Chong, mid-twenties, tough-looking, with a scarred complexion, is riding shotgun with Billy. Ten more minutes, we call it off. Man, it's not good odds, Terry. How about we just take a look? Billy and Terrence exit the car. Exterior, Raul's mini mansion. Billy and Terrence quietly make their way down the side of the mansion. They stop in front of the dining room window and peep into the living room to see Raul Escobar, mid-30s, small but overweight, with a Napoleon complex, sipping Corvassier. Two of Raul's men count money as other gang members weigh out the kilos of cocaine. It looks like 25 to 30 kilos. Oh, shit. Look at that. That's got to be what, like a couple hundred thousand? Looks like we hit the jackpot. I thought you said we were going to call it off. Billy shakes his head as he scans the treasures waiting inside for him. Oh, no. We're definitely going in. Yeah, what a treat to get to hear the whole the whole scene. Oh man, yeah, the way we recorded it was um we mic'd everyone with lav mics and wireless um uh microphones so that they can move around in this um open space, which was like a studio that we rented out in Highland Park. And when they get out of the car and then they have to creep to the um window to see all the activity, we actually had them like walk you know, uh, across the floor and creep down just to even get like any sort of slight breaths or, or movement of clothes, um, just to, you know, to, to, to really try to bring everything to life. Yeah. It was really amazing to get to watch you directing in action, James. Um, and to see, yeah, we had like, um, two chairs that served as the car and they would get out of the car and then slowly creep up to, you know, the, the idea of the window, um, yeah, I, I could, I can totally hear in their voices the the way that affected the performance. I think it's, it was really fun. Yeah, I remember you telling me that like another reason that you're really excited to bring this to life is because no one has ever really read the screenplay, knew it existed, it was never produced. Yeah, yeah, and I'm also really glad that the scene descriptions, you know, we were able to capture those too because. Those are really, um, it just seems like he put a lot of care in, into them and like the verbs, there's a lot of active verbs in there. And I don't know, it's just like a joy to read, read the scene descriptions and hear them. Yeah. To kind of talk about some of the more, I guess like action-y stuff that we're mentioning of like, ah, this all feels fake. Um, we're going to play you a scene that felt like it was fake. Because there's just it just felt too Hollywood. Yeah, basically after this scene, um, they they decide okay the the we're not calling it off the the robbery is back on because um, there's so much money in there and so they have this whole plan of of busting into the mini mansion you know how they're gonna take down all of Raul the the drug kingpin how they're they're gonna take down all of the men and. Um, you know, tie them up and get all of the drugs and, and leave. Interior, Raul's mini mansion. 
Billy, Crazy Six, and the others rush the front door. Raul's man number one reaches for his piece. Crazy Six takes him down in a matter of seconds with some close range, hard hitting Wing Chun Kung Fu. Kiss the ground, do it now! Raul gets up instead. Fine, I'll make you do it. A quick flurry of punches and a couple of hard hitting Thai kicks takes him down. Terrence enters the living room. It's clear. Here, take this rope, Terry. Tie him up. You, put your hands behind your back. Raul is still kind of in shock and doesn't respond. Crazy Six kicks him hard in his little fat gut. He said do it now, fat fuck. What you looking at, huh? You want to die? I love the sound design of the punches and the kicks. So they're much. so great. <laughs> didn't um, didn't Davy actually hit hit himself with like a foam roller or something to get some of those that folly art? Yeah, every grunt um, that is um, being a kicked and a punch and all of that is our engineer Davy Sumner, who's essentially kind of. <laughs> He's like beating himself and in front of a microphone and just recording. <laughs> it sounds so believable. That's the masterwork of Davey. He was like really added a lot of meat to um, that action sequence. Because um, we're always trying to do something that, you know, felt very grounded in reality. Um, because the film Crazy Six was so uh, over the top. And we we were like, if Galen were to approach this... And if, and if it were like all set in real life, then he would probably want this to be very gritty and realistic. And so that was kind of our approach yeah, to it. Yeah. And, and, and for the score too, we worked with Matthew Wong, who actually scores film and television. Um, and he did this amazing kind of 80s inspired synth for it, which also felt like kind of of the era. We, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If people are fans of Yellow Jackets, that's Matthew's work. So um, it was pretty amazing to work with someone like him and bring it to life. Um, we got one more fiction scene to play for everybody. Um, every the, the the prior two fiction scenes, like there are snippets of it in the show. This one, there's none. This is um, so I don't know. This will be, um, I guess, the first time, maybe the last time. <laughs> that anyone yeah. hears anything like this um and uh i don't know maya do you want to cue this up yeah so this scene oh i'm so excited that this scene is going to be heard um so in this scene um billy is at a nightclub with uh crazy six so basically they're associates um i don't think billy really trusts crazy six but you know they carry out these drug robberies together and um there is a lounge singer at, at the club named Anna, um, who Crazy Six seems very interested in, but um, 
she eventually will actually become the romantic interest for Billy in, in the script. So this is the first time Billy and Anna are kind of officially meeting each other in the, in the script. Interior, Korean Gardens, night. Anna gets to Crazy Six's table. Crazy Six yanks out a chair for her. Here, Anna. Sit. I'll sit over here. Anna looks at Billy as Crazy Six studies her. You know this guy? Billy Kwong, right? Yeah. You still with Janine? Nope. Crazy Six gets up. You look like you can loosen up, Anna. Let me help you with that. He begins to massage her shoulder. I got some rock. I don't do that anymore. Crazy Six isn't used to being put off like this. He takes a wad of money out and throws some of it onto the table. What? You want money to be with me? You fucking bitch. I gotta get back. Anna gets up to leave. She turns back to Billy. See you around, Billy. <laughs> I oh, love man. that. <laughs> Again, we we um, made the actors uh, act this out, and we brought out chairs. They're all sitting down, having the dynamic, and um, you know, we just felt that like if the actors were seeing each other and positioning their bodies in certain ways and and moving around the space the way in which it's saying in the script that the performances the subtleties can come through um because again there's a lot in this scene that is about what's not being said and it's really hard to bring that to life in audio when when normally in visual you would um, rely on facial movements um but having the actors just acted out just made it so easy to just bring this to life yeah yeah um this was like a there's a lot of subtext in this scene um there's a lot of different dynamics yeah. happening it's like the relationship between crazy six like creeping on anna um anna and billy like their yeah. romance budding um and like billy's distrust of crazy six so there's just like this it, the dynamics of that scene were were really I feel like fun to play with. Yeah. Cause, cause crazy six is essentially was like the, is the villain of the film, Billy being the hero. But this moment and the reason it stuck out to us was just, this was where basically this kind of love triangle and, and, and sort of motive for Billy and like his whole meaning to, to live for life. It all kind of stems from this scene where he just is, someone who's kind of addicted to um, drugs and then he meets someone who's maybe worth it to, to avoid that lifestyle and, and to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. This was a, a crazy show that we took about two and a half years to make <laughs> <laughs> on and off. Yes. Yes. On and off. And it's finally out. Uh, first two episodes, at least. Um, I, like, yeah, what what is going through your mind, Maya, as this is like the first show, especially one so personal that's being out in the world for people to listen to? Um, It's strange. It's, it's exciting. Um, Yeah, I'm just so glad that we got to work together, James. And um, yeah. I'm really I'm really proud of it. I hope it I hope, you know, it resonates with people. I hope um, 
yeah, I hope people really enjoy it. And there's a lot of fun, a lot of tears, a lot of gasping, hopefully, <laughs> um, through the course of seven episodes. Um, and I'm hoping that you guys all enjoyed just this conversation and hearing some like exclusive content that no one else gets to listen to, but just people listen to this feed. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, Maya, maybe you toss to um, the listener, maybe let them know where to, to get this show and to follow you, whatever you want to like say. Um, yeah. So again, the show is called Magnificent Jerk and you can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And I hope you take a listen. I hope you enjoy it. And um, yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, 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 we're being told, too, that we have to tell people to give it a five-star rating. Only if you like oh, it, Oh, yes. Rate and review it. Only if yeah. you like it, and then otherwise, don't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you, don't, if you don't like it, you can personally DM me or Maya <laughs> yes. and give us your thoughts. That's more That's more um, conducive. Just to, to give it to us straight, you know? Don't let the world know. Just let, it, let us know, <laughs> and then we'll fix it on the next one we make. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.